Amen. All right. So, as you see, I'm going to be sharing something that God has put on my heart. And um, so I want to just, before we start, I just would want to pray. Father God, I just thank you for this time in our life, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you're very much engaged in each one of our lives, and you care about our fears and our struggles, Father, and our hopes and our dreams. And Lord, we now just ask that you would just minister, Lord, to, to us this morning. I just yield myself to you, Lord, that I could be a mouthpiece to share your heart, Lord. And I just ask that it would um, be that I would be able to convey it in a way that you, um, people would understand and would connect with it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this morning I'm going to be actually speaking on the elder brother. We've heard the prodigal story, and it would always um, mess with me because um, when I would read that story, and, at, and, and then there's an, an, uh, an event with how the prodigal or the elder brother responded, I knew there was a story there. It was not the end of the story. And so God just really unveiled that to me recently. And so I'm going to share actually two um, stories uh, to illustrate my message today. And I'm going to begin by reading in Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 36. And it says, Then one of the Pharisees asked, him to, asked Jesus to eat with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in, in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, See, Jesus heard his thoughts. He said, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. Jesus said, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing to, with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and he said, I suppose whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and he said to, and, and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loveth much. But whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. 
So as a young um, believer, when I first read this scripture, it really made me sad because this is my situation. This is my frame of reference that I had. When Yuri came to the Lord, he had this amazing transforming experience because Yuri came out of the world and he had a lot of sins that needed to be forgiven, right? And I has, had always been a good girl and I obeyed the rules and, and, you know, I didn't have that many sins, you know, and, and so I felt like I can never be able to experience the level of love that, that Yuri did. And so I, that, you know, I, it just bothered me and I, cause I wanted to love God as much as Yuri did. And so when, um, so this past year, by the way, um, to, uh, next, next Sunday night, uh, I'm going to be graduating from second year fish. Yeah. And, uh, the second year has been such an amazing blessing to me because um, it has taught me so much of the Word of God and how to how to go about and like reading it and unveiling it. And anyway, was while I was reading this scripture this past year, the Lord highlighted this and He brought me revelation, and it was so exciting. And I decided I'm going to use this scripture to do my little sermon that we have to do, and um, with second year before we graduate. So. Anyway, the Lord has given me, I'm going to share just a little bit of that, because what the Lord began opening up to me is, um, I began looking at the difference between the Pharisee and this woman, and how they approached Jesus. And what happened, when I began to understand is this woman, I, I, make, I could imagine them both kind of like standing on the outskirts of the crowds when Jesus was speaking and, and doing his miracles and observing. And um, both wanting, were really drawn to, God, to, to Jesus. And, but this, uh, this woman was like, okay, I, I, some translations say that she was a prostitute. And I'm assuming that she, it probably wasn't something that she would have chose, but her desperation drove her to that in order for her to survive. And so she didn't, she, like, unlike the Pharisee who was uh, keeping all the laws and the rules and stuff, and he was feeling pretty good about himself, she didn't have, she, it was, she was hopeless. I mean, she, she was filled with shame and guilt, and she was carrying around, and she was what, and, and she was drawn to Jesus, and, and, and out of her desperation, the Lord, she encountered God, um, maybe afar off, that she realized that she, she could have her sins forgiven, and her heart healed, and hope restored, and that is what drove her to Jesus, and I was even thinking about Simon, this is just my imagination, that's what they taught us, <laughs> to kind of like begin sitting with the scriptures, and Putting yourself there and seeing what could possibly, what those scenarios were. But, you know, she could have even visited um, Simon on other occasions because she showed up when she heard that he was going to be, that Jesus was invited to his house. And, and she brought, she came with probably the, the most expensive thing that she had because she wanted to show 
her gratefulness. She was so grateful for what the, the freedom and the, and the healing that she and the hope that had been restored to her. Whereas uh, Simon, the Pharisee, you know, he, he very likely wanted to, you know, he wanted to get to, he was drawn to Jesus too. He wanted to get to know him, but he was like, coming, come and, and get to know me, see who I am, you know. He probably had this beautiful home, had his friends there, had this amazing food. And, um, and so I was, as I was reading this, I began to understand the Lord spoke, what the Lord spoke to me is, it's not the degree, the, the degree of forgiveness is not determined by the depth of sin, but rather by the depth of revelation of our need. And when I came to Jesus, I didn't see the need in me. I mean, I knew. So, so, so Yuri saw his need, and he was at the end of himself. He had come to the end of himself, and he needed a Savior. He was desperate. And so when he came to Jesus and encountered God, it was such a powerful revelation, and the love and gratitude that he experienced was so powerful that that that. That was like his beginning of his relationship with God. And um, so I was more like the Pharisee, but actually um, the Pharisee doesn't really uh, describe what, where I was. Because I believe that the Pharisee kind of is a picture of the religion, religious people. As in looking to their works for there and feeling good uh, that they are okay, they're better. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to this and, and just share a little bit uh, what was happening and how that can can affect our relationship with God in becoming religious. Okay, because I don't think everybody is always that there. Um, so the Lord began. Um, so my revelation was, listen, as I got to know and build a relationship with Jesus, that's when I realized that I fell in love with him. And, as I, and so it was, I had a journey there instead of that initial revelation and encounter with God. So um, what the Lord began ministering to me later than after this revelation was, that um, about the elder brother, the, 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 the prodigal and the elder brother. And as I began reading that, I realized that that actually betrays a better picture of where I was. So I want to go back. I want to go to uh, Luke 15 and start at verse 11. And when he said, um, then Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far, far country, and there wasted his possessions with, the prodigal, with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, their, all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. 
and no, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, and when he was still a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robes and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered, and he said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandments at any time, and you, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, and you kill the fatted calf for him? And he said to him, the father said to the son, Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Again, I believe there's a lot of things in this scripture here. And um, I mostly heard, I don't know if I've ever really heard about the, the, um, a teaching on the older brother, but I always, I could sympathize, I could empathize with this, the older brother. And I began thinking about... Um, what he must have felt like, because he was the oldest, it was his duty that he had to stay and he had to be in charge of the family estate. And he had to like, he, he didn't have a choice to go and do other things. That it was his calling on his life. That was his lot. And he, and that's, and, and he, and he, and he took it seriously, his responsibility. And very likely, I mean, it could have, I, I'm, I'm thinking that probably him and his a younger brother had different kinds of personalities, and um, they, uh, when the younger brother decided that he, in his rebellion, he just wanted to have his money, and he, he wanted to go and have an adventure and discover the world or whatever, and I'm, I'm you know, it, it had to have hurt this older brother thinking, you know, uh, that he being a little envious maybe, and, and that, that his younger brother got to go, but he has to stay. And also being, um, um, having an attitude against his brothers, like, why would he do that to our dad? 
when, uh, when he needs to stay here. You know, he's not honoring his dad. And I feel like the younger uh, brother was very, I mean, the older brother was very, he was honorable. He obeyed all the rules that, and he, he never like pushed back against his, his father. And, and, and he had like a strong um, character as in his um, values was very important to him that he was an example and all of that. And, and so when, um, so when his, and you know, his, his, very likely his, his dad would often cry and, and, and share with, you know, and talk to the, his, the older brother that how he misses and how he's praying that his younger son would come. And, um, and the older brother was like, but I'm here. And I think like many fathers in our lives, um, they don't know how to affirm their children. And all the children, all children want affirmation from their father. They all want to hear their father say, son, I'm proud of you. You're a good son. I appreciate you. And I, and I believe that um, it wasn't the, the core thing that hurt this son, that caused this son to respond the way he did, wasn't that he was so jealous of his, son, of his brother. I believe that it so hurt him to see his father respond with love and forgiveness to the, his younger son after he did all that, all, after he betrayed his father. And then he came back and he saw how he quickly forgave him. And he saw him give this love. And he, was, and, and he had been waiting for this all his life. And, you know, wh- why, would he, why would he say this? He said, I have never, he said, all these years I've been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make marry with my friends. He knew that all, all that the rest of the estate was his. He knew that. But he wanted his dad to recognize him and give it to him. Like, it, it was affirmation. It's like, son, you worked so hard. I really appreciate it. Why don't you take one of these young calves and have a party for your friends? He needed to hear that. He knew it was his, but he needed to hear that because it was, it was there, there was a, there was a, um, a, a, um, a void inside of him that needed to be filled, Okay. And I think that is why I, that's one of the reasons why I can relate so much with the, with the elder brother. Because all my life, you know, I, I wasn't good. I was trying, the only, I knew that all my goodness, all, I think the worst thing I ever did, like, as in, like, um, sins, like, that you like um, external sins. I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm not talking about what your thoughts are. But was I, was, I tried to smoke a cigarette. And it wasn't even my choice. I came behind the barn and my brothers were smoking and they quickly like offered me one. It's like, oh, you want to try this? Because they knew if I tried it, I couldn't go tell on them. But, you know, it wasn't that I, I thought, oh, I am good, I'm better. I always knew I wasn't good enough. I knew that it didn't, I wasn't good enough to get to heaven. Because I never was taught about being born again and how you receive Jesus. I was only taught that 
it, my, my, my works is what got me accepted, and it affected my, my relationship with people, and it affected my relationship with God. And so I did it because that's the only way, only thing I knew to do. And I believe this is what, um, this, this is how I see this elder brother. So now we have a situation here. So the father said, you know, we, we need to, we, you know, we need to, it's right that we are, we have a party and we celebrate that your brother was dead and is now alive, is lost and is now found. That's true. But we have a situation because now he's home and now they have to live together. And so just like Yuri came to the Lord, he had this, an amazing revel- I mean, um, encounter with God. He had his, his, he, the Lord set him free from his, instantly from his drug addiction with no withdrawals and a lot of other stuff. We got, in count, we, we, uh, he got filled with the Holy Spirit, not knowing what was happening. He, um, all, many, many things he experienced. And so that, but that isn't enough to now be all okay. That's like brought him into the kingdom, right? And, and, um, For me, my relation, my, my encounter was, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. That was my introduction to God. And so it was a journey for me. And for many years, I questioned, do I really love God? I mean, how can I love God if I don't, I'm not praying enough, I'm not reading enough, I'm not thinking about him enough, you know, and I questioned myself and my relationship with God. But it was only after years of walking with God and beginning to uh, discover the nature of God and, and opening my heart and um, encountering, that's how I encountered God is by walking with him and, oh, and obedient, being obedient when I heard his voice. Okay, so um, I'm going to read some of this just so I can stay on track here. So we, we both needed to build a relationship with God, Yuri and I, okay? Yuri had the experience that, that motivated him to, um, to keep after the heart of God. And, okay, I want to go back a little bit here. So the reason why I feel like I want to share this is because probably many of you, or some of you, let's say some of you can relate with the, with, with the, uh, the woman in the first story, all right? They, you, um, growing up um, in, in, in your rejection, your disappointments, and your life experiences, your negative life ex- experiences, you closed off your heart, and you just reached for the world and the sin that came with it in order to cope, okay? That was just how, how you chose to respond to that. And then there's others like me, like the elder brother, that we tried. We were good. We, we, we had uh, obeyed the rules. Now we have to um, be able to um, 
live out of that scenario, okay? How do we build a relationship with God? How do we get a relationship with this, um, the, the, the prodigal and the elder son are needing to have with their father? And it's a picture of also about our relationship with God the Father, okay? And one of the things that I have begun to realize that, that it is um, God uses our relationships to connect us with his heart. I don't know if it's possible to really have a relationship with God without it. I don't think it does without it affecting our relationship here. And when we understand that, that our negative relationships, that relationships that we have here, um, the negative uh, aspects of relationship is actually something that God is, is an opportunity that God gives us to encounter him in the middle of those relationships. And so it's so easy to run from our um, from situations that that cause us that you know divi- you know rejection when we have rejection and and um, you know you understand where I'm coming from. It's so easy when somebody hurts you and somebody and and you feel the rejection and then you're just, you just you want to you, you want to distance yourself. You you don't. It's negative. It's it's uncomfortable and you don't know. Often we don't know how to deal with it, but the Holy Spirit is there and. To bring, he uses those things. Those are actually amazing opportunities for us to be able to connect with the heart of God. And that is actually um, what God uses. All of our negative, our, our, our negative situations, not just relationships, but also situations, that is opportunities for us to be able to connect with the heart of God. And we get to, to encounter God and know and discover his nature. This is another um, uh, example that the Lord used to, um, to make a point with me. So another, um, all, all of you that have, you've been married, you, you, you met your mate, you fell in love, and you got married, okay? Now, some of us, have had very extreme uh, experiences. So when I met Yuri, I fell head over heels. I mean, I was daydreaming about him all the time. I'd get up an hour early, and I'd just sit there with my coffee and daydream about him. It was amazing. And then I got married, and I'm like, what happened to the man that I was? (laughs) But... But what I value so much is that I had that encounter and that I experienced that. And that was always there to remind me to go after this relationship and not give up on it. So, okay. So then there's some of you that met your husband or or wife and you started building uh, just a friendship and you didn't have all those, like, overwhelming, beautiful, delicious feelings. <laughs> In the beginning, you didn't have it. But there was something about him that was drawn, you were drawn to. And you started pursuing a relationship. And the more you got to know him, 
you started falling in love with him or her. And I believe that's the same way with our relationship with God. And that is my take-home message that I want to give to you is mostly is like either way you come to God, it takes, there's a journey that we have to embrace. We're not exempt from that. And I feel like so many of us that don't have that initial, like, big encounter, it's, we, we begin observing people that are passionate, and we want that passion, and we don't know how to get there. And so we have a tendency, it's easy to become religious. We have these, we, we built these theories of why that person is experiencing what they did and why I'm not. And I believe that is, so we have to be careful that we don't become religious because of our just disappointments that, like, for so long, I felt like I can't love God as much as Yuri did because I didn't get to have that experience. I even considered maybe I should go out and commit some of those sins so I can have, you know. I'm really grateful I didn't, but, and I couldn't have lived with myself doing it. That's the thing. But I was so grateful. It was only after years walking with God, and I realized that how much I have come to trust God, how much I have fallen in love with him, how much he has proven how faithful he is. And yeah, he is my counselor. He's my provider. He had become my healer. He is the one who restores my, re- my re- relationships. And that is what caused me to fall in love. And I know to this day that I am every bit in love with God as much as Yuri is. Every bit as much. But we had two different journeys. And that's what I want to just really encourage your heart, is if you don't have that relationship, if you have other people that are so, you see people passionate about God. All right, this is where my flow is. I'm not a very good teacher, I'm just saying, but I had to set a line. So, just because when we look around and we see other people having that passion and that relationship with God, and we're sitting back and we're like, man, I want that. But I have no idea how to get there. I have no idea. Well, number one, we, if you're not hearing God's voice, that is number one what we got to practice doing is be practice hearing the voice of God and then obey. It's not enough just to hear. Okay, and then we look, embrace our negative situations, our negative relationships, our uh, the hard things that are in our life. We embrace it. We don't run from it. We run to it because it's in there that we began encountering God. We began to hear the heart of God. We see how much He has about. You know, first year I went through first year school, and it was about about um, identity, and I didn't know, man, I, I. why would I take this class? Because I could teach it. I've been, te- I've been learning about identity for 30 years, right? But what? You know what I learned? And by the way, I, I just really would put, put a plug. If you have any, uh, if you, uh, fish, our school is a tool that will help you grow into those areas that your heart is wanting. No matter where you're at, it, you, we, it, it is, it is a, a, God uses it to minister to right where, we're, right where we are. But that first year, I read all the books that I read. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I began seeing that the father was there at work all this time, and I didn't recognize him. 
because I was, I was reading the books. It wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, I got to deal with that because I'm, I'm like, oh, he dealt, he did that in me. He did this in me. And I came out of that year knowing that I have this foundation in me and I, and I tr- learned to trust God in a way that I didn't know was possible. And in the second year, obviously, really helped me grow in, in um, just as in leadership stuff. And that was really powerful. But my, um, I have learned that instead of running from, my, from, from negative things, and you know, um, also marriage is amazing. And if you're married to somebody that is totally opposite, opposite than you, it's even more amazing. Because you get to have an adventure. You get to, how to, you get to learn how to fight well. <laughs> and when I say that, I'm saying you come, it's not just to try to get your way. It's about hearing each other. It's about uh, fighting constructively, like not being a, because when I first was married to Yuri, I, I had all my life, up until then, I was, I would become what people wanted me to be because I couldn't take rejection. Because that, like, it cut me, and I couldn't take me, take it. And so I would, so my whole, I had a whole big list uh, after the first year of what to not to do for Yuri. I don't want Yuri to get mad at me. So don't say this, and don't do this, and keep doing this. You know, that was my goal, because I, I was going to be the try to be, have, be perfect so he can't find any fault with me. And then I get born again, and the Lord kind of reaches inside me, and he puts this little backbone in me, and he wouldn't let me. He wouldn't let me just roll over and be. So I praise God that he loved me so much that he wouldn't let me. He made me have a voice. And I had to learn how to do that in an honorable way. To start, you know, when, when, when I, that I would begin pushing back and voicing my, if I disagreed, and having a voice. And I am now, I know, I've said this. I know Yuri is so amazing because of me. <laughs> you know, I taught him how to connect with his heart because he had closed his heart off. He was out in the world, rebellious, and he was like determined, like, I am not going to, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I am not letting anybody inside my heart because I am not going to let them control me because that's what he grew up with. But I saw him, I saw his heart. He let down that guard enough that I saw his heart and I was able to to be able to keep going after and even if I wanted just roll over it's like it's not worth it I'm just gonna roll over I, I, I'll I'm just whatever he wants I'll give it I don't I don't need my way I don't need my, a voice and then the Lord would the Holy Spirit would speak to me it's like you can't do this this is not just for you it's for him too and and so so that's why I say that I helped him connect with his heart but in the same time I am courageous and I'm fearless and I will not, be, I, I am a fighter for my destiny. Uh, you know how, it's not easy to get up here and, and do this. It's not fun. Every time I get a message together, I'm like, why do people want to do this? It's a lot of work, right? It's a lot of work. But there, 
I have learned to face my insecurities and learn, and I know also, I know so many of you, and you know my story, and I know you're sitting there and you're like, you're like rooting for me. Yes, 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 you can do this. And, and, that, and that is what the body should be for each other. And that is why I'm sharing it is because every one of you have a call on your life. And, and, but it's not gonna, you're not going to walk in it by just sitting back and being a victim or closing your life, your heart, and with a, being a controller that nobody's going to tell me what to do or I, I'm not going you know, to yield to authority. And it's got to be my way, you know. And so... I am so grateful because I've been married. We've been married for 40 years, and I'm planning to be married for another 40. Yeah? Because I have the, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. Because if I would have married a, a more of a passive, uh, oh, my goodness. I, I, can, I, can, I, I shudder to think about what I, who I'd be today. And so if you can look at your relationships as a gift from God, and it is not about trying to get them do what you want to do. It's about hearing God and letting your heart yield to what God is wanting you to do. It's amazing. So I'm going to tell you a story that's been actually happening in my life right now. And it has to do with my dad. And I have to think about this elder brother wanting affirmation from his dad. And that's how my dad was. My dad, um, there was eight of us kids. Mom had three sets of twins. She had eight kids in six years. So there was chaos in our house all the time. Can you imagine? Eight kids under six. We had eight teenagers in the house one year. <laughs> yeah. And so my dad learned that he had to be a strong hand and disciplinary. But he was, he, he, and you learned to stay out of his way. You know, when he was reading and, and you stayed and you didn't make trouble. But many times he'd come in the house and my mom was like, just like losing it. And she's like, you got, you got to deal with this. And, and, and then his way of dealing with the only way he knew was he'd go spank everybody. And so often I got punished when I was innocent. And I, did, I learned not, and that affected my relationship with God. See, I didn't trust him. I was accused falsely. And I'm saying that is because my dad didn't do it on purpose. This is the only way he knew how to do it. And um, last summer, um, I, my mom had passed away seven years ago, and I saw my dad it was aging, and I knew he wasn't going to be around too much longer. And I was having a conversation with one of my brothers, and I saw, I heard the ache in their hearts for affirmation from my dad. It's like, I wonder if dad was, is proud of me. And the Lord, and I started just praying and just really a burden in my heart. And I was asking God um, to just, just do something with my dad's heart and so that he's able to do that, you know, speak those things to my brothers before he passes. And then um, our, the Holy Spirit speak to, spoke to me and reminded me. He, says from, uh, he reminded me that years ago he said, I'm going to use you to help your dad connect with his heart. And I'm like, oh, yeah. But I have no idea how that will happen because I can't go to my dad and say, Dad, you really need, your sons need you to tell him that he appreciates. <laughs> I couldn't do that to my dad because he, he couldn't do it. He didn't know how, Right? 
So I'm like, God, show me how to do this. And so the Lord reminded me. He said, I've given you the key. And he reminded me of a conversation that I had with my dad a year after my mom passed away. We were sitting around the campfire, and I was asking dad, dad, how are you doing with mom since mom's passed? And he's like, well, before that, I asked dad, I said, dad, I don't know anything of my mom's childhood. Can you tell me some things about mom? And he stopped, and he's like, actually, I don't know anything about her childhood. And so that's when I realized that we had two parents, two people growing up. Their hearts, they didn't know how to share from their heart because they were, it wasn't safe. And it's, if you're not used to it, if, and that's where the mother is, the mother role that God has put in me and he's put in all of you women is about we are gifted and anointed to unveil the hearts of our children to help them begin processing and understanding what's going on inside, to help them connect with God. But anyway, that's when I realized the, the, the severity of their um, their relationship as in just very surfacy, right? Anyway, so I asked my dad, tell me, uh, uh, how are you doing? And he's like, you know, I'm having some regrets. He said, I regret not looking mom in the eyes and telling her I love her. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. My dad was connecting with his heart. The Lord, I don't know if he shared that. I don't think he shared that with anybody else, but he shared it with me. Because I believe I carried something that drew that out. I don't even know if it was something there that I knew God did it. So the Lord reminded me of that. He said, that's your key. So we went to visit him. And this is probably like three months ago. We took a trip down. And um, before I left, we, we, we would talk, and I would ask Dad questions but about his childhood. He could never go there. He would always come back and just share stories about his life as an older, you know, um, when he was older. And before we left, I, I sat, he was sitting in his chair, and I sat in the ottoman in front of him, and I said, Dad, I need to talk to you about something. He's like, okay. I said, um, remember what you said you regret that you didn't do when mom passed, before mom passed, that you regret that you didn't look her in the eyes and you told her that you loved her. He's like, yeah. I said, I don't want to live with regrets either. Dad, I want you to know I love you. I'm grateful that you are my dad, and there's nothing but love in my heart for you. Now, you have to understand, my dad is Amish. I'm the only one that isn't. So I know there's a lot of stuff there over the years. And I don't know what happened to my dad. I, I know it touched him. And Yuri's like, I, I don't remember what he said. But Yuri said it touched him very deeply. But we left after that to, go, to travel home. And I was trying to process why, what, what, what is this going to happen? What's this going to make a difference in my dad's heart? And I, and I was telling Yuri, I said, maybe, I think my dad needed to hear that from me so that maybe it would, like, inspire him to realize that he needs to do that for, with his sons and daughters. And then Yuri said, I think he needed to hear it, but I think you needed to say it. When I, that we came home on Thursday, and on Friday evening was a, a women's encounter night. 
And I got up and I shared and stuff. And when I sat down, I realized something happened to me. Always before, when I would get up and I would speak, or not even just here, but other situations when, I, when the spotlight was on me and I needed to say something, I would sit down and always had this loud voice inside my head that would just degrade me. Say, that was really stupid what you said. You didn't even finish it. And I had to fight against it and fight against it and choose to just not listen to it. And I've realized for the first time in my life that voice was silent. And I knew it had to do with me speaking what I did to my dad. It set me free. And then the Lord reminded me the first time I heard his voice he, was that situation. And it was about my sister, my older sister. I, I knew all we had just left shortly after we left. Um, well, a couple of years we had left. And there was a lot of situations going on. And I knew my, my, my sister had a lot of uh, influence with my dad. And I knew everything that she was saying about me. It was like a, 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 a tape inside my head. Back then we had tapes. But it was in my, my brain was just going around and around. I knew everything that she was saying about me. But when, the Lord, when I heard it, the, the Lord speak to me the first time and he said, tell your sister you love her. Ask her for forgiveness and tell her you love her. And I wrestled. You've heard this story. I wrestled with that. Like, I can tell her. I can ask her for forgiveness, but I can't tell her I love her. We, you know, if you haven't, if you're not used to telling each other you love people, it's not easy. It's hard to do it. It's really hard. And I wrestled with this and wrestled with this. And finally, I'm, I'm all, all of a sudden, it, like, I dawned on me, wait a minute. This is not a thought I would have come up with myself. This must be God. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. So the next day when they visited, my, my oldest son was just a baby. They visited. I watched for an opportunity, and I told my sister. I asked her for forgiveness for my attitudes, and, and I told her I love her. And she said the same thing back to me. But, you know, when I told her I love her, it was like my heart swelled up inside my chest. So big that it felt like it was going to break open. And then after they left, I realized I tried to th imagine what she was saying about me, and I couldn't even imagine. I tried really hard to remember what she was saying, all these things, but it was gone. She had no, the enemy had no more power over me, my thoughts regarding to her when I said that. Now, I'm not saying that that is the key just, you know, for everybody with your situations that you go tell them you love them. I, that, I'm not saying that, but that was my, the Lord reminded me, that's what happened. There's, you know, but it was interesting that God would use this to reach my dad's heart. How could that be reaching my dad's heart? Me doing it. Shouldn't he be doing it? The elder brother was looking to his father to affirmation. He was silent. He was trying to be really good. He was obeying him and doing all, but waiting for his dad to say that he loved him and for affirmation. I was doing it. My brothers are doing it. And I realized that the Lord had me do this, affirm my dad. Three, about three weeks ago, the Lord really put on my heart, we need to go visit dad. I need to go visit dad. I had an amazing encounter with my mom just before she passed and was an opportunity, and she ended up telling me she loved me for the very first time. I heard her say it. I know she loved me, but she said it before she passed. It was the last thing I heard her voice was, I love you. I said, I love you, Mom. She was getting ready to have an operation. 
heart, open heart. And I called her. It was a week after we were there, and I was, it was really good. She whispered it to me the first time she hugged me. First time she said it, she says, I love you. Before she went, before I left. The next time she was in the hospital, it was a week later, getting ready to have this massive surgery. And I prayed with her, and I said, I love you, Mom. And she's like, I love you, too. What, what a beautiful gift God gave me. So I knew this is very similar to what God had for me with my dad. I had to go visit him. So we get there. In the morning, we stayed overnight at Amy's, and then we were going to travel to my dad, which is only an hour and a half from Nashville. And my brother calls me that lives by my dad, and he's like, hey, I don't know if you heard, but dad's not doing well. He's not wanting to get out of bed. He struggles with, his, with diabetes and high sugar and all of that. He's not wanting, wanting to go, get out of bed. I'm, we're going to go over there. We're going to see if we can do this. So they ended up going, my sister-in-law, my, my, my brother, and my, my uh, nephew, their son, brought the, him breakfast. My brother went over and got him out of bed and helped him into the shower. First time that my dad, that, that my brother was, had to help my dad. And he and helped him take a shower and clean clothes. And my sister, he ate a big breakfast and, and a clean bed, and he went back to bed. And when I got there, there was nobody there. The house was dark. I go in and I go in and I, and I find my dad. He was laying alone in the, in, in, in the bedroom sleeping. So I go out and call my brother. I said, what should I do? Dad's sleeping. He's like, wake him up, wake him up. So I sat beside him on the bed and I said, dad, I'm here. I came to see you. He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so tired. I'm just going to lay here and talk to you. I'm just like, yeah, that's good. So I was talking to him, and I was sharing with him how much I appreciate him. And, you know, Dad, it probably won't be that much longer since you're going to get to go. So ever since my mom died, my dad just wanted to die. He just wanted to go to heaven. Well, I, yeah. He just wanted, he just wanted to, to go. So he lasted seven years. It's seven years since mom died. And he made my brother promise that he's not going. When he said, when I'm dying, you do nothing to prolong my life. You do not take me to the hospital. You let me die. So I was sitting there knowing this. And I said, Dad, I said, I just want you to know that, you know, heaven is waiting. God is here. And I just was able to talk to him. And then I asked if Yuri can pray over him. And he's like, yes. So Yuri got to pray and just bless him. And then I laid beside my dad and I put my arms around him and I kissed him on the cheek. And I said, dad, I love you. He was quiet. And he said, thank you. So now... He's getting worse and worse. The family's taking turns being with him. They have hospice out. I was talking to my younger brother. So I was thinking, God, how are you going to do this? You said that I really felt like there's something going to happen. There's eight kids that need to have this encounter with their dad. So I talked to my brother. My brother was traveling down. He's like, Hey, I just need you to know, you, you, I'm going to visit dad, and I'll keep in touch. And 
I said, I said, I need to talk to you. I need to share you my experience. And I began telling him my whole experience. I said, Albert, don't miss an opportunity to tell dad that you love him. That's what you need. Don't wait. He needs to hear you say it. But more than that, you need to say it. And it's the same way with our relationships. When we try to run away, we're waiting for people to come and make it right for us and to, and to, and to admit that they did something wrong. And here it isolates us and it keeps us wounded and it keeps us far from God. And the key is what the Lord showed me is that the answer is that we go, we go pursue and God will meet us in the middle of it. Because I thought I was helping my dad but I was helping me. In the meantime, I know my dad, that's all that he's able to contend with. Like that, that's all his, his, where he's at. He needs to hear that from his children because I'm sure he carries the guilt because he knows he didn't do what, I mean, he's living with much regrets. And he doesn't have words to say and express himself. And we as children get to go to him and say, Dad, we love you. And with that spoken word, it sets my dad's heart free and it sets our heart free. And so that is what I want to leave with us today is that we pursue our relationships, all the negative with all of it. We see it as an opportunity for God to re reveal himself, that we get to encounter God in the middle of those broken relationships and we're not doing it to try to fix them we're doing it in response of the holy spirit what he's asking us to do and it's for our own healing and forgiveness what yuri often talks about is the forgiving like jesus forgave is like we tie up the, the iou we tear it up the iou we take we even if they never acknowledge the fact that they hurt you they did any wrong we let it go we let him go And so I just want to pray. I'm going to close in praying. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Lord, I know that you're dealing with many of our hearts, Lord. And Lord, that we need to have this breakthrough. We need to go deeper with you, Lord. Our heart is yearning to go deeper with you. And the answer is our release and our in, in going into relation in our relationships, Lord. We need to, to extend forgiveness. We need to be able to let go of hurts and rejections, Lord. And if we can be the, the one who convent, uh, or pursues it, Lord, let us be willing to pursue, Lord. Not for our own, but for others, Father. For set other people free, but in, the, in releasing others, Lord, we're setting ourselves free. And we, most of all, we get to encounter the heart of God. And we just thank you, Lord, that you're so faithful, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen.